This is the Ali La Rouge podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the view from the terraces at Liverpool FC. Welcome to Ali La Rouge, which is part of the Blood Red podcast for the Liverpool Echo. And we've reached number nine in the UK podcasts. So everyone give yourselves a round of applause. Not really, but number nine, we could get, we're just off Ali La Rouge, we're just off the playoff places. Bit like Atkinson Stanley, uh, and we got um, Atkinson's manager John Coleman joining us tonight. We've also got regular guests John Nicholson and Keith Colvin. So uh, since our last podcast, we've had the fixture between United postponed, and we've had a good result against Southampton. Um, and it was good against Southampton to see Salah and Mane linking up. Um, they haven't really uh, fired on all cylinders, I think. Salah's, you know, has been consistent as ever, getting 20 goals. But, I mean, Mane has been a bit of a problem. He's even was in the echo over the last few days that he's actually been to see a doctor to see what was wrong with him. Didn't say what type of doctor, but um, he says he physically he's fine. So it's just a maybe it's a, um, a lack of confidence or whatever. But, I mean, seeing him score at Anfield uh, against Southampton was great, wasn't it, John Coleman? Well, to be honest... You know, if you could choose out the two of them, I mean, Salah's been scoring regular, hasn't he? So, if you could choose out the two of them for the lift in confidence, it'd have to be Manny, you know. And he was going through a spell where he was second-guessing himself all the while. He was having too many touches. Um, he, he, his confidence was absolutely shot. He didn't believe in I, I was a goal scorer all my life in non-league. And you get spells where you, you think you can't miss. And then you get spells where you, you think you, you don't know where your next goal's coming from. And Mane was in that stage. So it was great to see that. Great to see him on the score. Great header as well, by the way. Great ball in. Yeah. A yeah. fantastic header. And, you know, hopefully that'll give them the momentum. Um, yeah. I still love to see Fabinho back in the middle of midfield. Yeah. You know, I'd love to see the stats on the league games that he's played there mm. and what the scores have been because... You know, when he goes in there, we very rarely concede. Yeah. So that was Mane's ninth goal of the season. But if you um, in in the title-winning season last year, he's he scored double that. He scored eighteen, and then the year before that, when we nearly won the league, he scored twenty-two and won the Golden Boot. Uh, his first season, he scored ten. So he's back to like he's back to his early days with Liverpool. I think you know, John Nicho was that. I mean, is it all about confidence, you think, with the likes of Manny? Or do you think, obviously, he had COVID, didn't he, over Christmas? And, you know, that could have taken out of him, couldn't it? Yeah. um, I wonder what he's done to referees, because the way that they give fouls for when fellas are getting pushed and shoved and what have you um, quite easily. But it seems like all of them don't want to give any fouls for Manny. And he gets frustrated then, and and he, he then... Gives fouls away quite quite easily, you know. Um, so I don't know what's happened there, but it seems to have gone on all season with him. I don't know whether it goes back to the likes of Lineker and Sheeran and all that calling our players out when there's uh, clearly, you know, many many English players who are um, who are quick to to earn fouls. But but he doesn't get fouls, uh, you know, um, when he should be getting them. I think, and he gets frustrated because of it. Um, but also, I mean, I don't know what's up with him because I think back to the Crystal Palace away game when he got took off. And I don't know what score it was at the time, but I think the game was done, even though it might have only been 3 or 4 nil. But he had a cop on. You know, the cameras went on with a bit of a strop. And um, in, in strange sort of way, since that Palace game winning 7 nil, that's since then, like, that's where we've just sort of stuttered and stopped and. Yeah. Not started and stopped again, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Keith, were you? I mean, were you um, pleased with the performance against Southampton? I mean, you know, it, it was it was the type of game we've seen a hundred times before, isn't it? It's like Groundhog Day, wasn't it? You're thinking it's we're one nil ahead. These are going to score at the end, you know. Like we, it just looked like the Newcastle game all over again until Thiago scored. But I mean, is it a case of you know we're, we're just missing so many that? You know, when they start going in, we'll just wipe we'll wipe teams out again next season, hopefully. Yeah, you know, obviously you're quite right. It was a, 
similar game to a lot of games we played at home, not so much away, but certainly at home where we <clears throat> we just can't seem to kill teams off and then it comes back to bite us. But I just think it's what John said, you know, the team as a team's not played with any confidence for a while now. And you go on about, you know, Mane there, you know, when he scored 24 or whatever it was in 18, the team, the whole team was flying with confidence one. And so chances, we created quite a few chances this season. You know, we have created, we just haven't taken them. Now, but as a team, I think the whole team's been affected by the, the confidence situation. Um, and it's just, it's a knock-on effect to the strikers because they're the ones that are looking for, for to win the games for us. You know what I mean? Because because of the problems we've had with the defence, it's put more pressure on them. Um, and it's just it's just one of them things, unfortunately. Um, but they're still obviously top-class players and, and surely, and I hope to God that they show it next season when everything goes back to whatever normal it may well, may well be. Do you, not, do you not think that, you know, in the past when they went 1-0 up, having Van Dijk there, you know, Teams sort of give up, didn't they? Thinking, oh no, we yeah, can't. Teams are thinking, thinking they can't, we can't go behind to Liverpool because mm. we go behind to Liverpool, we're getting no change. And that, yeah. that air of invincibility is gone now. So teams don't mind being one down to Liverpool, maybe two, yeah. But they know that Liverpool are vulnerable at one. And mm. you know, it, really great point what John said about Mane. About Mane. And you, you compare Sterling, the penalty that he got turned down this week against uh, Chelsea. Now, the penalty he got given four against Liverpool, it was nowhere near as bad as that. Yeah. And, and, and when things go for you, they go for you when they go against you. They stack up. And you can't explain it, honestly. It's like a phenomenon. And it, it just it snowballs and it gets worse and worse and worse. And you can't explain it. Because you'd like to think that they're not, they're not corrupt. And, and, you know, deep down, you know that they're not corrupt. But when things go for you, everything goes for you. When yeah. things go against you, everything goes against you. And Liverpool have had that this season. Yeah, yeah. John, what did you think of um, Thiago, you know, his goal at the, uh, at the in Southampton? I mean, it was a great relief because it was in the last couple of minutes. Like, But, you know, he's deserved that, hasn't he? You know, he's a quality player, isn't he? Well, it's his first goal, isn't it? Yeah, and, it is, yeah. You know, you're screaming out for that. And I was delighted he did because, you know, I was disappointed he got taken off against Newcastle, mate. You know, he was absolutely running the show. Probably his best game in the, in this, well, apart from the Everton game. He was he was outstanding. And Liverpool fell apart when he came off. And that was really disappointing for me. And I think probably disappointing for him as well. Yeah. Uh, Keith, I mean, in terms of Thiago, I mean... I don't think we've seen the best of them this season because I think he needs he needs like the likes of Henderson and Fabinho in midfield with him. And then we'll probably see him playing a lot further up the field. And I think we'll see the best of him next season, won't we? Yeah, again, he's had a stop that season. Didn't he come in, you know, at the Everton game, got injured, took a while to get back in. You know, his injury was worse than what people first feared. So he was out for longer than what everyone thought. Then he's getting back into the team. He get, I think he got another knock. He's back out. He's in and out, as John said. I'm disappointed that he takes him off sometimes because he's got to play through that them type of games sometimes to get a bit of confidence, I think. And sometimes you just got to let him play his game. doesn't play well, just let him see the game out because the next game, hopefully, he'll, he'll play better. But I think next season, if, if everything everyone's fit and available, his best position is playing behind the front three, not, a, not, be, not in front of the back four, which he's been after to do sometimes because, as we said many times on here, he doesn't seem to be able to tackle. He's forever getting booted. Um, yeah. So, I, I, myself personally think he's been brought in to play behind the front three, and he hasn't done that too, as much yeah. as he should have done for various yeah. reasons. Season. So, hopefully, next season he'll play in his right position. Well, you know, uh, Carrier earlier on the season did a bit of analysis about the, the front three. And if you look at their ages, you know, they're all um, 29, aren't they? Or coming up to 29, anyway. Um, John Nicholson, do you think it's you know obviously Jot is twenty four, is he the future or you know or do we need to get other strikers in? Um, I think looking at the bench on Saturday night, um, it does need to be improved, definitely. You know, if we'd have been struggling on Saturday, there was nothing that was going to change if it was in an attacking sense in many ways. You know. Possibly Curtis Jones, like might, might have added a little bit from from midfield there, but um, Firmino has not had the best of seasons. I know Origi was injured, but he's not the best 
really the best player. He's just he's just flashed now and again, hasn't he? Really, Origi. He's, he's never been consistent. Um, so yeah, I think we do need to improve um, options from from uh, you know front. In, in in a lot of ways, it's where all a lot of our problems have started this season. I know we've had him at centre half and what have you, but um, you know a lot of games like um, it, it's sometimes have been almost non-existent. Yeah. The last yeah. ten minutes against Newcastle, I think the three of them up front were just just weren't weren't in it at all. Yeah. Allowed Newcastle to dominate us really for yeah. you know. Don't forget to score twice in injury yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Now, um, John Coleman, like Joss, is, he's 24 and he's scored eight this season, but no assists. But if you look at his um, at the stats, his shooting accuracy is 55% compared to Firmino's, which is 41%. Now, Firmino's been consistent since he came to Liverpool, hovering around about the late 30s, 40 odd percent, you know. So Joss is obviously. Obviously, you know, a better striker than putting the ball in the back of the net. But Firmino has actually had quite a few assists this year. Um, he's had something like... Um, he's had um, six this year. And he only had eight last year when we walked the league. You know, so... Do you think different type of players, different type of systems? I mean, Totally different type of players. I think Firmino's strength for Liverpool isn't scoring goals. It's, it's linking up the play. Yeah. And... You know, I I said when when Coutinho was there, I think he made Coutinho me. Honestly, I, I do. You know, his link up play with Coutinho was fantastic. This season, he seems to have gone. You know, people overlooked people uh, are seeing the the dramatic fall off the cliff of Mane's form, and they're overlooking the fact that Firmino has done the same. Um, and one of the problems he gets is that he loses the ball and he looks disinterested. Now. He was always applauded by the Liverpool fans and Klopp for how hard he worked. Now, I'm not seeing that this season. I don't think the Liverpool fans are seeing it. Added that to the fact that he loses the ball very, very cheaply and puts us on the back foot. Um, when he gets it right, there's never been a time that Firmino plays well that Liverpool don't play well. So in that respect, he, he's a talisman. Because yeah. when he plays well, we definitely play well. And, you know, you only had to look at that, that game that we're going back to 7-0. The touch and the finish was sublime for his first goal. Did he end up getting two or three that day? So he, he, he was he was fantastic that day. And you need more of that, but unfortunately, yeah. he just looked a little bit disinterested. And you can't be disinterested playing for Liverpool. Yeah. As a manager, John, though, um, Manny's 29, Salah's 29, Firmino's 29 in the summer. Uh, Jota's obviously 24. Are we going to keep... You're going to keep all three of them at well, 29 year olds, or do you think? Well, don't forget, you know, that when you go to the realms of Liverpool and Man City and Manchester United, it, it, it's a global business. So people are they're not looked at as players, they're looked at commodities. And it's a rising stock or a falling stock. And, you know, the trick is to cash in when they're at that peak. And you've had your peak worth out of them. So you've earned all your dividends off them. And you sell them at the highest, at the highest price. Now, once you let them go past thirty, it's difficult to do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you think about it, twenty-nine should be in the prime, and they should have two or three years. And mm. I'm a firm believer in the futures now. So, yeah. no, yeah, don't, don't be planning for, for two years ahead. Plan for now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. You'd have to go in line with the fact that Salah probably last year you would have got the biggest price for him. Is the stock falling slightly? Will you still get a lot of money for him now? Yes, you would. Firmino, not as much. Mane, not as much. Now, no. the thought of losing Mane last season would have filled me with dread. But then you've seen what we've seen, everyone's seen the last six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comprehend it. Mm. But and don't you think to be challenging next season, you've got to keep uh, you know, those three plus Yota and maybe add another one? Rather than sell them, one of them. I think so, but if if one of them has to go, then it's no point getting a couple of stocking fillers. You know, you want the big presents. You want the big presents under the tree. Yeah, yeah. You don't want stocking fillers. <laughs> and, and you know, we, we should have learned the lesson when we sold um, Suarez. Yeah. You no, know, we sold Suarez. 
and didn't get the main present. We got a lot of stock on fillers. Mm. So, if one of them goes, it's got to be replaced by a top player. Alele Rouge on the Blood Red Channel. Keith, I mean, in terms of, I mean, you know, we've seen a lot of um, reporting about how much money clubs are losing. I mean, I think it'd be unthinkable now for FSG to be thinking of selling any of those three, would it? Wouldn't it? Well, yeah, in normal circumstances. But, you know, as John just alluded to, you know, some of them players are still probably high value in the market, aren't they? But the thing with it is that what they've got to balance that against is that obviously with all the fraud that they've caused in the last couple of weeks and you know, as it's been well documented, you know, we, we, we obviously still got to challenge, challenge these these other teams who are, who are up against the top teams. So if we sell, say you said they're looking to sell two and then three players, if they don't replace them, with, as John said, with top-class players, they're going to get slaughtered. So, yeah, they sell them and get a lot of money, but then they're going to have to spend that money to replace them. Now, years ago, Liverpool, as John said, you know, the future's now. Liverpool would never let a player go with 29 of his in his peak. you get the best out of him and just let him go. But now, as, again, as John said, there's a resale value on everybody, so they're looking to get some money back into the coffers. But it's all about, if they go, you've got to replace them with top-class players. We've had enough duffs in the years gone by. When we sold a lot, you know, players, you know, look at when we sold Torres, we brought Andy Carroll in, or like we brought Suarez in, but Andy yeah. Carroll for me was a, a disaster of, of a sign. Um, so we got to guard against that. And obviously, in, in the past four or five years, most of the signs they brought in have been proven good ones. So you got to yeah. give the people the choice, the chance, sorry, to do that again. But me personally, I wouldn't sell any of them. I'd do exactly what we said there. I'd keep the three of them, get Jota, and possibly another. There's enough yeah. fringe players you can get rid of that are not going to do any good to raise some money to do that. Yeah, John, yeah. Nick, how are you? Yeah, I don't think it's a question of, of selling them to, to change things. I think we need to keep them and, you know, and, and Jota as well. But we need something else as well. And you're talking about age there, Peter. It's not necessarily age that you need to look at. Now, I don't think Liverpool would ever do this. But Man United bought Cavani and he's 34. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. won them games this season, yeah. without doubt. He's won points for them in the league almost single-handed with the with the goals that he scores. And Chelsea took on uh, Giroud when no one else was going to take him from Arsenal. He's 34 as well. He hasn't played as much in the league, I don't think, but he certainly won them European Cup games, Champions League games. And I don't think Liverpool would ever take a player like that who's maybe going to say, I want 160 grand a week for playing, you know, twice a month. Maybe it's more than under 60 grand a week. But there's two clubs there who've made use of um, that experience, of, if you like, and have been able to have some something different, you know, when things aren't going well. Our bench on Sunday, we, we, it was never going to change anything if we were struggling. If Southampton scored first, you just wonder, how are we going to do anything different to uh, get back into the game? Well, one, one of the problems that we've had is that, you know, Mane was good at going at people. Salah, to a lesser extent, Salah is not a dribbler. Salah's a shifter and shooter. And the the big difference now is when they also runs in the Premier League now, fancy themselves against Liverpool because they drop off deep. And Liverpool haven't got anyone to dribble past people. Whereas City have, whereas Chelsea have. And that's the difference. That is a big difference for Liverpool at the moment. They've got no one who can take anybody on. They've got no one with blister and pace. You know, people say about Salah, Salah's not quick. You know, it might, be, it might be sharp over three or four yards. You never see Salomon in a race. Mane's quick, but he's not using it. Mane decides to use his strength more than his pace. And I think Liverpool could do with getting somebody who's quick, who can run at people. Now, there was talk about Torore, whether, they, you know, and he's he's gone back in a betting this season, hasn't he? Um, but somebody who can attack people. You know, City have got them coming out their ears. And people who, when, when people sit off them, and you get the ball to the edge of the box. If you've got someone who can break a line or take people on, it petrifies defences so they don't want to sit off like, like that. And if you do, you pass it round them and you'd have a tap in, which is what City have been doing a lot this season. You know, and City basically pass the ball in, but they've got like so De Bruyne here who can score from outside the box. And I think it was on LFC TV at the weekend, Liverpool's uh, goals from the Premier League uh, era. And there were so many shots from outside the box from the likes of Gerard, the likes of Coutinho. We are actually passing the ball in nowadays, aren't we? We've got no one coming from midfield, have we? 
who can really score. Apart from Thiago, I'd put him in that bracket, that, and we saw that at the weekend. But we've got no one ever who can... I mean, Wijnaldum does it for Holland, but he doesn't seem to do it for Liverpool. I mean, Keith, is, do you think that's a... I mean, one of the major problems that we've got, you know, we're trying to pass the ball in and you know, and, and score from the six-yard box. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, everyone, the other time, it's got a bit of a goal, but Chamberlain sort of done that for a bit, didn't he? He was the one that come into the team who sort of would take a shot on from, you know, outside the box um, and, and got a few important goals because of it. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously, you know, if, if teams are sitting back against us and they're defending, you know, the 18-yard line and then even deeper again, all right, the, the box is going to be busy and there's going to be bodies in the way, but you know, a shot can go anywhere, can't it? You know, you can go in if you, if you don't shoot, you don't you don't don't score. Obviously, the old adage, but it's you know, there's the main them players around anymore. As you say, you got City, you got De Bruyne, you got Mares who can do it now and again. Um, I don't, I can't think of any other sort of top teams who've got players who can, can consistently do that. Um, you know, I might Cole, be wrong. Coley, do you think that's a problem then? For or do you think the way? City play, don't they? They, they have a little bit of uh, long-range shots ability, don't they, Bo? Well, They're trying I, to pass the ball in as well, aren't they? Our three forwards, historically, outshored. Everybody has a three, haven't they? And we, we do rely on that. That's, that's fine, but I go back to... It's not so much having people who can score from outside the box. It's that people who can take people on. So City have got Mares, they've got Sterling, they've got Foden. Chelsea have got Pulisic, Mason Mount. Who can go past people? Who have we got? You know, for the best will in the world, our best attacker for three months was Saint Alexander Arnold, actually running with the ball, mm. and that that shouldn't be right, should it? I mean, Liverpool needs Liverpool needs a superstar who can take people on, who can make things happen, who can light light up because teams are dropping so deep on us. Now, as Keith says. If they drop deep and you haven't got someone who can run past them, then you've got to have someone who can shoot. Now, we brought Oxley Chamberlain on against Real Madrid. The Real Madrid game baffled me because, I mean, we kicked in the first half, didn't we? You know, and, and when you see how poor they were against Chelsea in the second leg, and I, I spoke to Anthony Barry before the game, and I, before both games, I said, you run over these. They're all, they're all men. You'll batter these. I said, Liverpool missed the tick because it should have been Liverpool-Chelsea. In a, in a semi-final, and that would have been a good game. I said, but in that the last twenty minutes of that game, the, the, we brought Oxley Chamberlain. I think we brought one or two others on. We never had a shot from outside the box. No, you know, you're desperate for the goal. You're getting the ball on the edge of the box. No one's shifting it and shooting. It's going wide, getting crossed in, and they're heading it out. And yeah. it was rinsing, repeat, rinsing, repeat, rinsing, repeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know we're not the greatest. You better explain who Anthony Barry is. I mean, well, I know. Anthony Barry's uh, first team coach at Chelsea, but yeah, yeah, he used to play for me, and he was under sixteen manager for us. Yeah, for a little bit yeah. as well. And I've I've monitored Anthony's career all the way through. And so you helped Chelsea be real? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. But, but you know it. You know he's doing really well there now. Yeah. And if you think about it. Liverpool should have done to Real Madrid what Chelsea did to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, I they agree. absolutely battered them in the second leg. Mm. And Liverpool should have, but Liverpool should have stayed in the game in the first leg. That was the thing, you know. That's where the game was lost in half an hour in the first mm. leg. And yeah. When did Liverpool do that? Yeah. You know, Liverpool, we've yeah. seen. I mean, I've, there's a fear of playing Liverpool, isn't he? And I, I still think deep down, people didn't want to get them in the Champions League. Hmm. Mm. You know, I was amazed with that that, that performance. In the yeah. Do you think talking about the Champions League, uh, Keith? Do you think that's it now? After we saw um, United, I mean, I wouldn't. You know, Klopp said he would have done the same, picked a weakened team because of the number of games, uh, and a lot of people being on social media saying our oh, capitulation. But I mean, they had so many games in a few days. Do you blame United for picking that team against Leicester? And do you think our chances went with that? Results. Blame them is is is, it, is not really what I said. I, I knew they'd probably do something like that. Now there's a lot of theories why they would do it. You know these so-called top teams. I suppose have a squad big enough to pick two different teams at any given time. And United chose not to do that. Now I'm not a big an aficionado on United's squad. I don't know who they got in the background, but 
if Lip, I'd be disappointed if Liverpool done the same to a degree, but you could understand it because, you know, but in Liverpool, I think now, I've just wouldn't have, shouldn't have done it because I don't think we got a chance to get into the Champions League. There's too many games gone now. We've lost yeah. too many points in, in a short period and, of time. And that's our own fault, isn't it? By not yeah, winning yes, those games. Yeah. So, for me, you know, we got two, if we would have had two games in three days, what they've had, I would like to think that we could utilise the squad good enough to put two decent teams on the pitch at, at any given time. But I wasn't surprised with Man United what they've done. You know, even though they, they handed the title to City. Um, you well, know, mathematically, they still had a chance, didn't they? John, chance, Jeffo, yeah. would you, were you surprised by the team? Um, I, I thought, you know, United would make changes. I wasn't so sure they were going to make that many. But, you know, we can't complain about them and call it a capitulation when we had a capitulation against Newcastle United. We'd got out of jail with a disallowed goal yeah. by VAR. And the next three minutes, we didn't get out of our half. You know, so we, we lost the points against Newcastle like that might have made a difference. So yeah. I, I wouldn't blame United because we would have probably done the same. Um, you know, I just hope next time Neil Warnock goes on about Benitez doing it in 2005, he mentions this one as well. Because <laughs> he still hasn't shut up about that. I, um, I disagree. Jim Beglin was going on about it before. Saying, oh, you can't blame United and all that. And I said, you know what the simple thing is, Jim? Pick your best team. Pick your best team. Ask Portsmouth what it feels like to be, when we picked our best team. We went to Portsmouth not to play for and stopped them getting up. And that, that wasn't down to we wanted to stop them getting up because I quite like their managers, to be honest. But I want to win every game. And if you build that mentality that your players want to win every game, mm. you know what? This is all, I'm telling you now, this is all a psychological myth that players can't play. You're not telling me the Liverpool team that used to, that used 13 or 14 players and were playing 42 league games, don't forget, and the cup games, and they all played in the cup. They didn't get rested in the League Cup. They didn't get rested in the FA Cup. They played in the European Cup. You're not telling me that they're, they're a different species. And I know that you can see the game's quicker and people are fitter. But honestly, it's a psychological myth. Honestly, you know, the top players, Messi doesn't get rotated. Doesn't he get tired? It's a myth. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's a myth. And it's a myth being perpetuated. And and fans are swallowing it now, and they shouldn't. They yeah. shouldn't play your best team. Yeah. So, in terms of, I mean, were you surprised by the team you picked then, John? That was I mean, amazing. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. But obviously, it shows you that they want to beat Liverpool more than they want to beat Leicester. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, we're playing United. And... Um, it's it's going to be a strong team again, isn't it? I mean, you think Klopp, the game has, Klopp, Klopp hasn't had a good record at Old Trafford, does he? So, I mean, do you think... He hasn't. He hasn't had a good record results-wise, but he hasn't had a good record performance-wise, to be honest. Yeah. I, I was at the game when we equalised there. We got, we got the equaliser. It was um, it was Lallana, wasn't it? Lallana. Yeah, that's the last time we played them in the league. Two, um, October 2019, I think. That goal should never have stood, should it? Their goal should never have stood. No, no, it was a foul, no. wasn't it? Yeah. I, I do remember jumping up in the director's box and getting a few people frowning at me when the Lana scored. <laughs> Not supposed I mean, to do that. They obviously beat us in the cup this year. Yeah. And in a way, that was a big psychological blow because we, we played very well that time, if you remember. We did. We and did. Uh, then Cavani bought that uh, foul of Fabinho yeah. uh, on the edge of the box and he scored from the, uh, the free yeah. kick, didn't he? But uh, do you expect? I mean, we're going to play the stronger sides, aren't they? Both teams. Do you expect the game to get played? Because I, I still think there'll be a demonstration there. You, know? you think so? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there might. Obviously, there will be a demonstration, but the uh, I think they'll be well uh, ready for it this time. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? You'd hope so. Yeah, I think they will be ready. Yesterday, he had a, he had like a ring of steel around Old Trafford. Didn't need the Leicester game, but mm. I think anyone with any common sense would would realise if there is going to be a protest, it wasn't going to be then. It'll be thirty, obviously, to try and defeat what he's done the other week. Yeah. Um, but me personally, what happens then? We get the points, don't we? Because twice that'd be fun, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I you know I, I sure United have put the stronger side on the pitch, and we will, and that's. As John said, you know, we got that's what you got to do. Game in, but game I, out. I think Klopp, I think Klopp should use that as a motivation. You know, he should be saying to our team because we should be picking our strongest team. Look what these guys did on Tuesday. Look what they're doing tonight. They're picking their strongest team because they want to beat you. They really yeah, want to beat yeah. you. 
you know, and he should be using that as a motivation for our players because our players need a performance at Old Trafford. We, we just haven't had it, yeah. not consistently for many, many years going to Old Trafford. That's a good performance with the UEFA Cup game, wasn't it, when we knocked them out? Yeah, it's Klopp's seventh yeah. attempt so, at yeah. Old Trafford. You know, this game is getting played in December and Liverpool were, what, something like 10 points ahead of Man United at the time. You haven't become supermen over it. You know, they're not, yeah. not that good, United. Have Liverpool turn up and perform? They're capable of beating anyone, we know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're capable of beating Man United, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. but if we have, you know, a central pair and of, of, uh, who played against Southampton, I mean, I don't know who's going to be fit if Kabak's back, but say it is Reese Williams and... Um, and that felt, I mean, Reese Williams made the mistake, didn't he, in the in the cup game, yeah. didn't he? And I went, I know he's Fabinho's got to play in middle midfield. He's got to. Yeah. You'd be disappointed if he sticks him back in defence again, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be devastated because, you know, the stats don't lie. When he plays in middle of midfield in the league, we very rarely concede. And, yeah. you know, more often than not, we win. Mm. you got to get away from. As you've said this enough times, on you know, I'm putting the players in the wrong positions from what they're normally playing in. Pick two centre halves, put Fabinho in centre midfield, put the full backs where they need to be, put the strikers where they need to be, and then we should go on to win the game. It, it's it's cost us too many games, performance wise, and and give us lack of confidence because of it. Because you've been playing players out of position all the time. Yeah, since, yeah, since, yeah. since the injuries we've had, and mm. you know you can understand it for a bit for a while, but it went on for too long and it's cost us. We've got to get back to putting players in the right positions. Yeah. Coley, are you going to be putting a, a bid in for Nat Phillips and uh, no. Kabak? No, no. I love Michael Nottingham and Cameron Burgess. Cameron Burgess got team of the year this year. So, um, player well, of the year, yeah. You know, I think, I think, you know, when Liverpool get their fifth side back, you know, and it was alluded to before because you know, the odds are when Adam's going to go. But is that just such a blow if you had? Fabinho, Henderson and Thiago with Van Dijk and Gomez behind them with the two, you know, best attacking fullbacks in the league when they're up yeah. there. Yeah. And a choice of Jota, Salah, Mane and Firmino. You know, come yeah. on, we can still be challenging the title next year if we've got that. Yeah, yeah. Rouge on the Blood Red Channel. After that result, like obviously City won the league and about 10 people turned up at the Etihad, didn't they? <laughs> for celebrations, singing the wrong singing the wrong song, uh, Championi, they were singing instead of Campioni. But um in, in terms of that, it was like, you know, you've you're in League One, John. You've you know got one of the lowest wage bills in the football league. You come eleventh in League One, which is would you say that's more of an achievement than City winning the league? Well I would. <laughs> When they vote for manager of the year, the, the criteria of the vote is supposed to be the manager is used his resources to the best of his ability. Well, you know, he, he's had great resources, hasn't he? So, yeah. you know, and fair play to him, he's won the league and there's other managers who haven't used great resources. It's interesting you say about the fans going outside. We played Portsmouth. We played them last week and this week. It was just a free. So we, we played them two out the last three games. And their famous fan, the one with the bell, John, someone was there. I can't remember the second name. Yeah. Um, he was out not, not bad, we call him. Well, he's all right, you know, actually. <laughs> yeah. So he's come down to our ground and he's rang the bell outside the ground. He's travelled like six hours to ring a bell outside the ground, right? So we, br- we brought him into our office after the game, give him a, give him a bell. <laughs> and introduced him to the manager. He's made up. Yeah. And this then, is what, uh, sorry, go on. And then they were all outside when we, you know, when we beat them last week, and he was there again. You know what I mean? And yeah, it, it's just it's going to be so so different, and I, and I, I think it'll supercharge the fans next season. Yeah, because it's been an absolute abomination without fans yeah. being involved in professional football. It's nothing, you know. Yeah, I think um, Matt and Jock Steen said it, didn't he? Football's nothing without the fans. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. two mediocre teams playing in front of fans is far better than the two best teams in the world playing with no fans. Yeah. And that's spot on because fans make it. Fans yeah. give it the edge. Fans make 
everything happened faster, everything happened, you feel for the purpose. And it makes it, it makes it so more exciting. And the added distraction of when you win, celebrating. You know, when you mm -hmm. win now, it's and, and that's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you, you walk off into the sunset, that's it. And they've got it's gonna be unbelievable next year, I'm telling you now. Yeah. Especially for Liverpool fans who are good fans, Liverpool. Yeah. And I reckon they'll be supercharged next year. Yeah. I mean, and I was we went to the games we went to the games in December. And there was 1,500 there at Anfield. And, you know, that was brilliant in itself, you know. Mm. And you could see the, the players lifted. But, I mean, as a, as a manager in the ground when there's nobody there, I mean, isn't it just a glorified training match? Is it that is. what it feels like? Every game's like a pre-season friendly, honestly, God. It's so frustrating. Now, we've, we've, all, we've all been at unbelievable games. You know, we go back to the St. Etienne game when it was like, it was everyone's favourite game, you know, like, you had to queue for two and a half hours to get in. Although I'm sure you bunked in the front. But like, <laughs> the, the actual being there and, and to say I was there when that happened, you know, and the atmosphere and, you know, when everyone's bouncing up and down, we should not be moved. Just unbelievable feelings. And best one in the world, you go to more home games than me. There's a bit of apathy crept in over the last five, six, seven, ten, ten years. I think that'll be wiped away. I honestly think the enthusiasm will be back there. And Liverpool fans, when they're on blob, they've got to be the best in the world, haven't they? Apart from the fans, obviously. Got out the first fan who moans, he's going to get slaughtered, isn't he? <laughs> in the moan stand. <laughs> John, did you, did you go in December? John yeah, I went to the West Brom game, which yeah. wasn't the best one, you know. In many ways, it set us on that path of uh, destruction for the next two or three months. Yeah, um, eve of destruction. That's but, a good record. But um, I, I, I know everyone's missed the fans, but I think Liverpool have missed the fans, perhaps. But I, I know I'm biased saying this, but perhaps more than anyone. I don't think we lose six games on the trot at Anfield if we've got fans in the ground. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. You know, um, and I think the stars and the players' heads have gone down and have given up a little bit and lost away, and that wouldn't happen with with a crowd. In. Yeah. I yeah, don't yeah, think yeah. it would happen. Yeah. I'll give you a, um, a quote here, Keith. This is what Klopp said about City winning the league. And I don't know whether it's I don't know whether it's um aimed at FSG. I'm not too sure, but it says um City winning the league, well deserved. What they achieved is exceptional. When you bring together financial resources and football knowledge, you have a good chance to create something special. It's always a joy to play against them because it's a massive challenge. Would you see that as a thinly veiled attack? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say it's a thinly veiled attack. I say it's a long attack myself personally, which is, you know, needs to be said. If that's how he feels, he should be saying what he feels. And he, he's, he's 100% right, isn't he? You know, but, yeah. you know, we all know what FSG's model is. But, you know, we've, we've had it for a lot, what is it, 10, 12, 11 years, whatever. So mm. they're not going to, I doubt it whether they're going to change, even with all this, this for all they've caused over the last couple of weeks is what he tried to do. I think, I think they'll try and, myself personally, I think they'll try and, play this one out until the summer and let it die down like they've done with other things in the past and hope it goes away and the fans forget about yeah. it and then they come back in the ground and and then, you know, they, they'll, they'll sort of edge the best to say that there's more fans who will want them to be there than not be there. So maybe with Klopp coming out and saying that, the fans will get behind him a bit more and back him yeah. because... He's been very supportive of... Uh, he was supportive of the SOS, wasn't he, in the programme notes... At yeah, the weekend, he was saying it's good to see the fans talking to um, well, you know, we go to the owners. It, it goes on all the time now. That's it's open to conjecture whether you go down that route over here, but that's besides the point. He's used to he's used to that happening over in Germany, so he, he probably sees no wrong in it. But yeah. for me, the owners have, have got to lose from the pace things and get the man a chance because to compete with Man City and Chelsea on an even keel at the moment is virtually impossible yeah. because they, you know, City. I'll spend the money left, right, and centre. Chelsea basically stood the ground and just, in my opinion, brought Frank Lampard in to keep the seat warm for somebody else while he couldn't sign players. As soon as he could find someone, he was out and he got a better manager in. And they'll spend yeah. plenty of money. United will probably spend money. Um, so Liverpool, if they, you know, I'm sure with the team that they've got now can compete with everyone. But as you know, John alluded to before, once we put our first team on the pitch, it's brilliant, better than most teams in the world. But, yeah. We just need that strength in depth, don't we? And that means investing in the squad, you know. But we haven't got a good enough squad in depth 
to compete with them when we've had injuries, and that's that's something that's got to be addressed. Yeah, John Nicho. I mean, what you, in in terms of you know the way the dialogue with the uh, supporters and the club. I mean, do you think that's you know something good will come out of that? I hope it will. I'm sort of fairly optimistic myself that that it will because um, you know FSG's made four or five massive own goals, and if they'd have spoken to someone like Spirit of Shankly or a fan representative from anywhere really. I think they'd have been told for all of them ideas, this is not a good idea. Maybe you should think again. And, you know, they backed down on all of them in the end, but they wouldn't have even got that far if they'd have had some sort of consultation, proper consultation. So I'm optimistic really that hopefully um, they've uh, learned a little bit and, and they, they will they will go forward. Yeah. Um you know, with with fan fan involvement, whether going forward, whatever way they do it, they can compete with Man City and Chelsea. I don't know, and I doubt, I doubt very I mean, much. It's significant in it that if you look at the women's game as well, Man City and Chelsea yeah. are dominating that, aren't they? Yeah. It's all about money and resources. John, you've as a manager, you've disproven that theory to some extent, haven't you? But at the end of the day, how can can Liverpool compete with the when you get to the top end, it's difficult. You know, I mean, my selling point to our players is just because someone's eyes are better card than you, who's at a better stake than you last night, doesn't mean he's going to be better on you on Saturday afternoon. But, you know, you generally, there's a correlation between the better players get paid the best best money yeah. at the top end of the scale. But don't forget, we were in this boat last year and the year before, and we were outstanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Absolutely won the league at the cancer last year. So what's, what's changed? Mm. Injuries have changed. Yeah, and yeah. As Keith and John have said, the lack of depth in the squad has come home to bite us. And yeah, that should have been addressed because best one in the world. We've got players who who aren't acceptable for Liverpool Football Club in a first team squad, and that's mm. got to be addressed first. Mm. You know when are we getting names off you, John? Are we getting names? No, no, <laughs> unfair. That'll oh, be yeah. But there's players who have played regularly for Liverpool who wouldn't get near most Premiership teams. And yeah. I'm not talking about the Man Cities or the Chelsea's. Yeah. I'm talking about you know the teams at the bottom. Yeah. So that's got to be a problem. And that's got to be addressed now. You look at the strength and depth in Chelsea's squad. I, I think Chelsea have got the best squad in the league, to be honest. Yeah. Um and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won the Champions League. I, I honestly wouldn't. Mm. Mm. Um, and I think it's going to lead I thought Liverpool and, and Man City would break away and become like Celtic and Rangers yeah. and I actually said that when I got interviewed after the Champions League final uh, when we won in Madrid I thought this is the start the beginning of the era and then I was proved right the following year when Liverpool romped it and there was only City in, on the coattails and everybody else you know were as far behind as what they were to, to the relegation zone so Something went wrong this year. Let's hope it's a blip. Yeah. Liverpool have got to get strength in depth. Yeah. Because we can't go through another season like we've done this year. There's got to mm. be safety measures to protect against that. Now, Liverpool didn't have the safety measures this year. Chelsea did. Man City did. Yeah. I think one of the arguments of FSG, John, would be that they can't compete in the long term because they're dealing with Abramovich and the dealing with Mansoor and they've got limited, you know, unlimited resources. Um, but obviously Klopp reversed that trend, didn't he? Unlimited resources. And it was like, it, it just shows you Liverpool's uh, winning the league last year was ex- exceptional. City have won it uh, five times in the last 10 years, haven't they? Because of that uh, dominance, because of the unlimited resources. Allez Rouge. On the Blood Red Channel. You know, the Super League idea. I mean, you were one of the few people who said this will never happen, even when it was all on the Monday, when it was all still going ahead. You said this will never happen. Uh, you were the lone voice that I was speaking to. Uh, but why were you so convinced that the European Super League wouldn't happen? It, it, it's a case of flexing your muscles, and this will continue. This will continue over the next couple of years. Don't worry about that. 
they'll still be flexing the muscles. And all it's about is, is they feel as though they bring the, the money to the table. They want the biggest slice of it. Yeah. You know, that you can argue whether they're right or wrong or not. You know, football changed for good when the Premier League came in. Yeah. Could you argue that it's been a success? I think it's been a success. Um, you know, I think Sky have been good for football. But that's where all the grades started. Make no bones about it. That's when yeah, people yeah. that, you know, there was obscene money knocking about. Mm. I never thought for one second it'd get off the ground because there's too many complications. Certainly the F, the Premier League aren't gonna turn the back on the six big hitters in the in the Premier League. Because the Premier League is not a marketable um option without them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah, yeah. want to watch it in the Far East. Who's going to watch it? Want to watch it in America without the big hitters? Yeah, so they've had them over the barrel, and they know they've got them over the barrel, and that'll continue. Yeah, and some guys it'll continue. It'll, it'll continue to rear its head. And I mm. wasn't, I wasn't bothered at all. In fact, I got, I got a little bit annoyed when people were starting to get on the high horse on the telly and saying, you know, this or this and disgraceful or this and that. And, Gary Neville. Well, <laughs> Gary Neville, because of you know he was a big argument argument or argument or against the salary cap in in the EFL. Yeah. Now teams are going And he's poured money into Salford City, hasn't he? Well he's well him and Peter Lim and a, a consortium. But there's you know there's there's teams who've gone bust because he hasn't made a wage cap in place. Now listen, fair enough if if you can tackle the two club, spend it the way you the way you can. But what it's akin to Letting teams gamble, yeah. gamble trying to get the riches now. You know, we might feel it's it's a free mark and he's got a right to spend his money in his club, and I've got no issue with that. You know, I think the big clubs should be able to spend what they want, but don't encourage teams to gamble. And Archie yeah. likens it to putting a fruit machine in the middle of Accrington that you can put fifty pence in and you win twenty million. The people of Accrington would be skint. In three months, because all yeah. everyone will be putting all the money in it. It's the lead syndrome, isn't it? It's what happened to Leeds, wasn't it? You know, well, it the, you know, but, you know, football's littered fifteen with, years, didn't it, to recover? Well, football's littered with, with people on the football league not learning this lesson. You know, the big one was Notts County. Notts County won League Two when we were in League Two. They had Sven Gordon Eriksson as manager. They had Casper Michael in goal, and that Monto Finance it was the one that was a like, was a sort of a shell company that didn't exist. And they won the league with money that nobody in the league could afford, and neither could they. But they won the league. And we played them that year, and we beat them at, at Notts County's ground. And Casper Spikel was on more than our whole squad. <laughs> they didn't have the money. But he was, on, he was getting paid more than our whole squad. How can that be right? Yeah. yeah. You know, when you're going down the roads of letting that happen, and the football so league ought to be stronger. The, yeah, yeah. But the football finances, it's got to be legislation. If they're, if they're, if they're, if they're um, honest about it and they're, and they're serious about it, it's got to be government legislation, hasn't it? To well, stop these billionaires coming it's in. It's got to be a regulator right now. If these are prepared to put the money in, I've got no issue with that. But don't let people gamble money that they haven't got and put yeah. a community-based club at risk. And, you know, look at Berry. You've got a feel for the fans of Berry. It's not yeah, their yeah, fault, yeah. is it? So no, they're, they're no. They've lost their club. Yeah. You know, mm. it shouldn't it shouldn't be allowed to happen. Yeah, so that you'd say you'd advocate the independent regulator. There's got to be an independent regulator, and you can only spend money that you've got. And now yeah. if you if you're gonna put money in, put money in by all means. And if you want to try and buy your way out, fine. But don't put your club's existence at, in That's jeopardy. In threat, yeah, yeah. Too, yeah. too many clubs are allowed to do that. Yeah. yeah, and also what, Keith, what should happen is that, and again, as a free market, as has been said before, but if Liverpool were going into the Super League to earn more money because they can't compete with Man City and Chelsea and, and the like, it should be part of the legislation or the setup that if you do get that money to better TV revenue, you can't siphon it off to put into, your own, into another company. You've got to spend it on that football club because who's to say that Liverpool... You know, Liverpool know that they can earn a lot more money for, if they've done their own TV deals across the world. So where does that money end up? What would they do with it? So, to me, they need to they need to be forced, for want of a better phrase, into 
doing the right thing because you know Liverpool under Ixon Gillette they were safe and already put the debt onto the club United have got it now with the, the Glazers for the long term putting the debt on the club the service in that debt with all of the profits that they make they don't make a penny they're losing money hand over fist um, so I'd like to see what happens with Liverpool as John said in the future because it won't go away it will come back at some stage that as and when they do decide to do this what they're going to do with the money that, that is proceed to be making to, to compete with the, the other clubs because it's so easy to say all that but when it comes down to it, push comes to shove they could just take the money and take it out the club Coley does that you know does any of the uh, the money come down filter down from the Premier League to uh, League One does any any of it come down I mean I know we get the parachute payments from people no, who are relegated into the we championship solidarity payments from the football from the uh, Premier League but they always want something they always want the pound of flesh so the league was it well, the latest one was entrance to the B teams or the 23 teams into the EFL trophy. All right. So, you know, the, the one trophy that we can possibly win, you might have to get through, you know, eventually you might have to get through Chelsea's under 23s, which will be on 10 times more money than our players. Or you the know? United team that played Leicester. Well, I mean, we, <laughs> well, we beat Man United under 23s and. We beat Leeds on the 23s and it was like Leeds was under nines. It was embarrassing, but the Man United yeah. team that we beat, I think we beat them 4-1 in the end. And they had players who decide for 8 and 10 million. And, you know, the, the young kids. and So that was their pound of flesh. They also got the the um, the U, the U team players. They, they can take the pick of the U team players now on a compensation basis. But the actual distribution in the football league is poor because, you know, it, there's 72 teams in the football league. So there's the Championship, League One, League Two. Now, what would you think the split is of the money? I'd say about 60% of the Championship and then mm -hmm. possibly 30% uh, of the League One and then about 10% of the League Two, something stuff like that. Well, the split is actually 80% of the Championship. Mm -hmm. 12 to League One and 8 to League Two. So, you know, the, the League Two team gets a tenth of what the Championship team gets. Now, don't forget these Championship teams. A lot of them are Premier League teams. A lot, a lot of them are getting 40,000, 50,000. Um, they've had massive parachute payments. And it's just, it doesn't ring true. You know, we're, we're all selling the same thing. And they're not funded anywhere near like it should be. It's tough, eh? But who, who agrees to that? Is it the football leagues? Board that agree to that sort of percentage? Because you'll find you'll find that most football is dictated by the Premier League. Hmm. Premier yeah, League it, down the FA's powers, haven't we, John? Yeah, you know, it, should, it shouldn't be overlooked. We talk about greed, or people have been talking about greed of the big six, but no one talks about greed, if you like, of the other fourteen. Particularly, maybe ten of them who were always in the Premier League and don't know you up and down because they're not prepared to give anything more to the football league. No. You know, so 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 they they're concerned that they go on about Liverpool, Chelsea, and the rest being greedy, but they're greedy themselves. They won't pass any more down. I think yeah. that's why John John's saying, isn't he? It's got to be this independent regulator, like an ombudsman, really, to look at. Uh, look at the finances of the league because these are basically these clubs should be list like listed buildings, shouldn't they? The heritage of the the exactly. whole country. So, aren't you know, if you had a governing body who said, right, what have you got coming in? So we say, well, we haven't got many coming in. We only get we only get two thousand fans this week, and for the last last twelve months, we've only had two thousand fans tonight. So someone should be asking a question if you're giving someone ten thousand pound a week. Well, that's not getting that question isn't getting asked, and that's why people are getting into financial difficulty because they're gambling on getting a team together that can get promoted, hoping that they'll go from the 12% to the 80%. So, the big jump the problem is you've got too many cliffs to either climb or fall off. So, if you go from the first division to the championship, you're going from 12% to 80%. You go from the championship to the Premier League. It's a different level altogether. You yeah. probably go from 10 million to 180 million. So there's two big cliffs that people don't want to fall off, but also want to climb. Yeah. 
and that's that's what's leading to so much problem with people gambling. It's Las Vegas, but, isn't it? It's literally yeah. Las Vegas, yeah. isn't it? Blackpool, Black Black a typical example, Wendy. Now they got to the Premier League and dropped back down through the leagues, and they just, from all accounts, just siphoned all the money away. And look at Bolton. Bolton went up, didn't he? Bolton went up the weekend, didn't he? Yeah, yeah Bolton yeah. went up. There's no, there's no guarantee that their finances are stable at the moment, yeah. and that's why, as you say, an independent regulator will know whether your finances are stable. Yeah, yeah. So you, you say that is the future, then, John? Yeah, it's got to be. It's got yeah. to be because, until, as you say, these should be heritage buildings. They should be national institutions. These these clubs, you know, have got the steeped in history of. You know, especially the mill towns, who mm. they had nothing but football. Goodison Park should be a museum, shouldn't it? You shouldn't be knocking that down. It's what a brilliant bit of architecture. Beautiful, wonderful people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no oh. but, but I mean, it's you know, obviously the the way they kept Arsenal with Highbury, they kept the facade, didn't they? Some of that architecture at Goodison shouldn't be demolished, should it? Should be listed, shouldn't it? It's so old, and you know. Well, I just think, I just think that football. They should be ring fenced. These football clubs are heart hubs of the community. Yeah, should be ring fenced, and you know they shouldn't be taken away from the common man. Yeah. Now we've seen it over the years. Football is, it's it's gradually falling away from the common man, and I honestly don't don't know how people afford it. I honestly don't in the Premier League. You know, I know you were heavily involved in this, you know, the, the fair price for the way supporters. And, and you, you need a lot of commendation yeah. for that. You've done wonderful. But that same should apply for the home supporters, surely. Yeah. 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 Are, you, are you optimistic, though, John, in, with the fans getting together over the European Super League? Are actually optimistic something might change? I think something's got to give. And I, think, I think we're going to go down... Uh, not so much down the German model, but I think, I think, I think Liverpool, I think the SOS have proved it that if you've got a voice and your voice of reason, people will listen to it. Yeah, it's when that voice doesn't become reasonable that people don't listen. And you know, fair play to the, the people involved in the SOS. They have been, you know, they have been a voice of reason, haven't they? Yeah, well, you know, they have anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in terms of. Uh... Fan organisation, one of the most respected in 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 the country and possibly in Europe, and that you know. But I think that's um, it came from Hicks and Gillette. It came from the crisis of Hicks and Gillette. That's what it yeah. did. That people got organised. Well, if you mobilise the fans in the right way, you know, when it was proven last week that it could be done the wrong way as well with the Man United Liverpool game, you know, getting yeah. cut off. So, you know, there's there's always two two sides to it. Yeah. And people can get vociferous, you know. When I, don't forget this. I'm not. I'm not saying Liverpool fans are white and I'm whitey. You know. You know. We we had that. Mm -hmm. um, we had the the, the debacle with the the coaches. You know, getting getting smashed up and that. Like, and I don't agree with that. But I think if you mobilise fans and we get enough of these fan based uh, organisations, people can't make a change because you're going with a rationale that's. That, that's fair for everybody, really. Yeah, Keith, are you optimistic? Um, yes, to the, yes, I am. Um, and just again, the timing of it is sort of probably, in my opinion, you know, me, the cynic in me, as you know, is it's coming towards the summer. And I, I've yeah. seen people, you know, I've been involved in too many meetings with them in the past, all this ticket pricing and anything you could allude to. And he's, he'd like to drag things out and let a piece of the way. Yeah, um, as, yeah. As people will forget and get fed up with it and get tired of you know saying the same thing. So yeah, I'm optimistic in respect of it's it's raised the profile of fan activism to a degree, and I think a lot of fans that was unthinkable, when, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think fans who weren't even fans of the top so-called six clubs who were so looking to break away, I've sort of their ears are being picked up by what's going on, and they, they may want to get involved a bit more, you know, to to their own organisations or their own clubs. And that can only be a good thing, you know what I mean? Mm. Because, you know, as John said, I think most football fans, as much as they're, they're not businessmen, they know more about the football than the people who own the clubs half the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they, 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 they know about the local community side of it. So they're invaluable and they, they, their opinions should be listened to more often than what they are at the moment. 
because as John Nicholson said before, if our owners, for instance, would have listened to reason over the, the numerous times they've made a mistake, they wouldn't have done what they've done. And I'm sure there's enough football clubs who would have listened to their own fans in the, in the time gone by. They wouldn't have done what they've done. Because fans, for too often, have just been a sideshow for these people. But as has been proved this season, <laughs> the loss without them, basically. Either yeah. financially or emotionally to back them. So, yeah, yeah I'm optimistic that the fans may, once and for all, have a proper voice, but it's got to be backed up by a proper government thing where, not pandering to the to the press, like Johnson is because he's just jumped on the bandwagon and what's going on. He needs something concrete and tangible in place. That's going to yeah. last, otherwise it's a waste of time. Okay, John Nicko, just to sum up, yeah, just, um, are you confident, yeah? Yeah, but as long as it happens soon, because uh, I think if it does drag on, um, the club's making excuses and putting things off and what have you. Um, they'll hope that it'll just die away. Yeah, I don't think it yeah. will with Liverpool fans. I don't think it will with Spirits of Shankly. Um, but I am optimistic it will happen soon. Yeah. Okay. I hope all the, all, the, all the other fans trust do the same with their clubs as well, by the way. Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot to all our listeners. Putting us at number nine in the charts, uh, the podcast charts. Um, thanks to John Coleman and good luck for next season, John. Thank you. Um, uh, and Keith Colvin and John Nicholson, you've been listening to Ali LaRouge. Uh, get in on social media and give us some feedback. And obviously, people seem to like it because uh, being in the top 10 of UK podcasts uh, is a great achievement and on a very low wage bill. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks very much. You've been listening to Alain LaRouge. See you in a couple of weeks. You've been listening to the Alain LaRouge podcast on the Blood Red channel.